turn to the scriptures please to Genesis chapter 2 Genesis chapter 2 we'll read from verse 21 and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man and Adam said This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Let's pray. Father, we ask you now, Lord, to just shut us in with yourself and enable us to see your great redemption plan, enable us to see your great love for us, and enable us to experience your presence. Lord, we love you and we worship you, and we thank you for who you are and all that you do. Glorify your name, we pray tonight, and speak to our hearts. For Jesus' name's sake we ask it. Amen. Amen. Last week we looked at bearing the image and likeness of God. And we took that from a verse that is tucked away in chapter 1. And we're told that God said in verse 26, 26, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion. And we're told here then, we're given an account of when God forms Adam, he breathes into his nostrils, and man or Adam here becomes a living soul. Now, what is a living soul? We looked at it last week, but what is a living soul? A soul is the real you. Not that you have a soul, the real you, who you are inside, you are a soul. The word here for living soul is the word nefesh, which means the seat of emotions or appetites and passions. It gives the idea of the activity and the intelligence of the mind. In other words, it means that a man and a woman are a living, passionate being. The inner man that you are, and the inner woman that you are. In other words, the person you are inside. See how you feel tonight. See what you're thinking tonight. See what you're going through tonight. And no one can know only yourself, God knows. Because that is the real you inside. You are a soul. You are a soul. You're a living being. A living, passionate being made for fellowship with God. And Adam walked in the garden in the cool of the day with Almighty God. Now we looked last week at how when God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. In other words, God says in our image, we think of, well, we're made in the image of God. God has two eyes, a nose and a mouth. God has two arms, two legs, ten fingers, ten toes and all this. No, God is the great eternal spirit. God does not have, as it were, in this day of of Genesis, two arms and two legs and ten fingers, ten toes and so on. God's image here is the idea that as you are the real man, the real woman, the real teenager, the real young person who is inside, the intelligence, the will, the mind, the emotion, the intellect, the passion, 
the love and the compassion you have, all of that represents who God is. Bearing the image means that Adam was to bear the image of who God was only on the earth. Now mark that I didn't say Adam was God, nor did I say he was a God. He was to bear the image. In other words, as you feel, as you feel inside, as you have a will, as you have intelligence, as you can think, as you have passions, as you can love, God is the same. Almighty God is the same. You bear that image. In other words, when you're feeling low and you're feeling down and you're feeling hurt and you're feeling downcast or whatever you're feeling, God knows how you're feeling for you are bearing his image. In fact, after the fall in the Garden of Eden and right after the flood, we're told that Shem and his, and his family still bear the image of God. In other words, Shem, Ham and Japheth were the sons of Noah and their family still bear the image of God. In other words, they had emotions, they had a will, they had intelligence, they had intellect, they could make decisions. They were living, passionate, breathing beings. That's who you are tonight. That's who you are. You are a living soul. You know, God loves you so much. And God loves me so much. Don't ask me why, but he does. But God loves you so much. He loves you in spite of who you are. He loves you in spite of where you come from. He loves you in spite of what you think you can attain or whoever you are. No matter what anybody tells you on this earth, you are more valuable than what this world can afford. He loves you. In other words, you're so valuable that nothing could buy you but the blood of Jesus. God himself coming in his love for you was the only one and the only thing who could pay for the debt of our sin. Adam falls in the Garden of Eden and we're told that the Lord kicks them out. And that likeness, the image of God is that real you inside you. The person you are inside that nobody knows but you. The person that you are of feelings and will and thinking and passion that nobody understands but you. The one looking out of your eyes. That's you, the soul, the person, the image of God, the living being. And the Bible tells us that God loves you so much that he sent the son to die for you. And God pursues you. And God chases you up. And God every day could bring people your way. And bring the gospel along and people to testify. All because he loves you. To let you know that he loves you personally. You're reflecting his image. You're reflecting who he is. In Exodus 34 and 14. We looked at this also last week. I'm doing this to run into where we are. But in Exodus 34 and 14 we're told. For the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. In other words, Israel had made an image of who they thought God was. They made a golden calf and they gathered around it to worship at it. And the Lord was angry at this because they were not only demeaning who God was, thinking that God is like a creative beast, 
But they also had this image in their mind who God was. And out of the abundance of their heart, the mouth would speak. That which they thought God was, was an idol and an image. They worshipped around this big golden calf. God was angry. He was wroth. And God sends Moses down and he says that he's a jealous God. You're not to worship anybody else or anything because I love you. You're in my image. Not only demeaning that God... Uh, the person of God to, the, to a created being. But he was also saying that you're demeaning yourselves, worshipping an idol, worshipping at an altar that, that, is, that is pagan. It came from Egypt. And so the Lord sends Moses down and he says, tell them that I'm jealous, not a destructive jealousy now. Not a destructive jealousy that destroys people and destroys families, but with a jealousy that was a godly jealousy. It was an unselfish jealousy. And he gave himself because he was so jealous for you. You know, we say, I would never make an image. But as soon as you or I decide that God wouldn't do this, or God wouldn't do that, or God isn't like this, or I think God is like that, we start to form our own image in our mind. We start to see God as who he may not be. For we must go by the word of God and say, what does the Bible tell us about the Lord himself? What is his image? The closest thing you can look to see almighty God is, I'm talking about among ourselves now, is that you would see a man and a woman. You would see those of fallen Adam's race and people with feelings, people with love, people with passion. Living beings are the image of God in the sense that they feel like God. In other words, they they have passion the way he does. They love the way he does. And so that's why God wants us to love one another. But Adam fell, our natures fell, we became unsavable in our own strength we were depraved in our ways and the likeness that's us make man in our image after our likeness in other words the likeness was that God would be coming and speaking to Adam in the cool of the day Adam I want to tell you about this creation Adam I want to tell you how we made this Adam I want to have fellowship with you I want you to talk to me and I'll talk to you and it was broken through Adam's sin and that likeness being broken, set apart, God in one end of the universe as it was, and Adam was at the other. We're told the Lord drives the man out of the garden. The word drive is garage, and it means he expatriated him. It means he divorced him. It means Adam was no longer allowed in the immediate presence of God, and Adam was cast out. And the likeness that God was fashioning and forming in Adam was lost. And so man then is lost to his own devices. Man is bound for a lost eternity to burn in a burning hell. And, and so that's our whole destiny. That's your destiny and that's my destiny outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. But God had a plan. God had a purpose. And before Adam fell in the garden, God had it all worked out. God had it worked out that he loved you so much he would save you. He would redeem you through precious blood. So the Lord tells Israel, don't worship other gods for I love you too much. And I'm jealous. And if I have to chastise you, if I have to correct you, then I'll do it. I read this last week and let me read it again for I thought it was very, uh, very apt. 
For God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. I read this from Eric McManus' book, Soul Cravings. And he says, this is the story of God. He pursues you with his love. And pursues you with his love. And you have perhaps not said yes. And even if you reject his love, he pursues you ever still. It was not enough to send an angel or a prophet or any other. For in the issues of love, you must go yourself. Listen to this. So God has come. And this is the story of Jesus. That God has walked among us. And he pursues us with his love. He is very familiar with rejection. But is undeterred. And he is here even now pursuing you with his love. You know what this tells me? This is telling me that God loved me so much that when my back was toward him, when I was dead in my trespasses and in my sins, when I didn't want to know anything about God, and I kept running away from him, and I kept rejecting him. He was rejection after rejection after rejection he received from me, but he kept on loving me and loving me and loving me until I said, Lord, I just know that I need you and I need to be saved, and the Lord saved me. No matter what you're going through or who you are, God loves you tonight. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how low you think you've sank, he loves you. See the real man inside that fleshy tabernacle that you live in. You see the man and the woman inside that that earthen vessel we call a body, made from the dust of the earth as Adam was. Do you see the real person you are? You alone, you in your own being. See the person you are? God loves you. No matter what anybody says, no matter what you've been told, God says, I love you. And I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have fellowship with you. God himself came, none other would do. Jesus came to bleed and die. And Exodus 34 and 14 says that he is a jealous God. Listen to the translation here. For he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Our God is passionate. I've done it last week and I feel I have to keep pushing this this, this evening. Our God is passionate about you. God is passionate about you. About me. About you. God is so passionate about you that he came himself to die for you. You see, that's why when we say you can never reach heaven, that's why we say you can never enter the kingdom of God on the things you do and good works and trying your best because they're no good. It took Almighty God himself to come in the person of his son to be nailed on the tree and to show his passion by dying for you. God's passionate about you. God is passionate about you. God is passionate about you. God loves you. And when you feel like you could never be loved, and when you feel like no one else could ever love you, he will always, always, always love you. Here we have, he is passionate and wants a relationship with you. Now, Adam names, we're told in creation, Adam is brought and he names all of creation, all the animals. God says, let's name these Adam. Go ahead. You have dominion on the earth. Name them. 
But as he names them, the actual idea is he comes and he names them, he's looking for a partner. Someone of equal ilk. Someone that he can relate to. Someone that he can love and be with. All the animals go by and we're told in Genesis 2 and 20, but for Adam there was not an helpmeet for him. There was nothing compatible with Adam or for Adam. And remember, Adam man was made in the image of God. He's a social being made for a relationship. He's a living being, a passionate being, an emotional being. He's a character with appetites and feelings and will. In other words, Adam is a soul, the inside, like you. As you feel and think, you're a soul tonight. You're a living soul sitting in Donnacona Elam tonight. You are a soul with passion. But here's the question you must answer for yourself. Are you a soul which is saved? Or are you a soul which is lost? Are you a soul which is saved? Or are you a soul which is lost? I'll ask you again. Are you a soul which is saved? Or are you a soul which is lost? If you're a soul that is saved, then you will be in fellowship with Almighty God in the person of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you're a soul that is lost, and God loves you so much, He keeps pursuing you, and yet pursuing you, and you may reject His love, and you may reject His salvation, but you will reject it either till you give in and say, Lord, I know I need saved, please save me, or else you will reject Him until you go to the grave. And you see the you that's inside you, with will and, my, uh, uh, and passion and emotions and appetites and thoughts? You will stand before him and answer why you rejected that love. Why you rejected the Lord Jesus. And you will be judged accordingly and put into the lake of fire. Now that's a sobering thought, isn't it? The real you. See the real you. will be put into the lake of fire. But the real you that knows Jesus will be an eternal blessing. You will be with Christ, which is far better. You will spend eternity in his heavenly kingdom. Nothing is an helpmeet for Adam. Nothing is compatible for Adam. And you and I are made in the image of God and we have lost the likeness. I said last week, that's why the things on earth have went so low. That's why we see so much depravity, so much sin. That's why we see so much wickedness and so much evil. That's why we see everything in our world decaying and corrupting and falling apart. That's why you see and you hear of things that you had never heard about years ago. That's why you see all these things going on in our streets and the attacking of older people in their homes and and murdering and and abduction of children and homosexuality and, and all of these things that are degrading our society because man is a rational moral being but apart from being made in the likeness of God, he is a depraved being he's depraved in his ways and his morals might be better than mine and my morals might be greater than his but nevertheless our morals will spiral out of control until we have fallen apart and hit rock bottom 
That's the way the world is going. That's the way our nation has went and is going deeper still. And we pray, Lord Jesus, please come soon. Here we have the Lord looks and there's nothing compatible for Adam. And you and I are made in the image of God as in our wills, in our emotions, in our being. The real you inside you, the image of God. Yet we're told for all of us who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, John 1 and 12 tells us, for those of us who believe in his name, says we are made or we are given the power to become the sons of God. Who are God's making us to be like? Not like Adam, but more like Jesus. (laughs) The second Adam, the last Adam. He's making us into his likeness. And when you come to Christ, you say, my desires are for other things. If you truly, really, honestly come to Christ, your desire will be for different things. You'll be tested, you'll be tempted, you'll be tried, and you'll go through hard times, and you'll go through difficult times. But God will bring you through, and you keep your eyes on him, and your desires will change in your very hearts. You'll want to be in his house. You'll want to be praising his name. You'll learn to walk with Jesus. And the Lord through his spirit and through his word will cause you to be like after his likeness. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like him. God wants to make your image after the Lord Jesus Christ. After his likeness. That was lost in the garden at the fall in the Garden of Eden. And God's plan and purpose is to bring every one of us back into the fold, to bring every little lost sheep back in again, to fill us with his spirit and with his word, to make us, to fashion us and to form us, to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't do it yourself. It takes God to do it. It takes him to do it. Those of us who believe in him, we have the power to become the sons of God or the right, the authority, the privilege or the license to become the sons of God. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 21, here's the making of the woman. Chapter 2 verse 21 says this, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. It must have been, that sounds like an Ulster saying, isn't it? The Lord God caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam when he slept. (laughs) So he did. So he did. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from Adam, from man, he, he made he a woman and brought her unto him. The word rib actually can mean the side. Out of his side he took a woman. Has an operation here. Adam has a, goes under general anesthetic of the Holy Ghost. He opens up his side and he takes out and it says he made, the Lord makes a woman. The idea is he, he builded a woman. She was well put together, this woman. He builded a woman, that's what it means. He forms a man, he distresses the clay, he distresses the dust of the earth like a potter on a potter's wheel. He distresses it and fashions the man's body, breathes into him and becomes a living soul, a passionate being. Now he takes the woman from the side and he builds her. (laughs) He builds the woman. The woman is made 
And this soul, this man called Adam, shows forth the image of God. Now notice this. This social being who is made for a relationship will not live until he loves giving himself away. I want to say it again. I want you to hear this. This social being, Adam, this soul, just like you are, this soul, this social being, Adam, who was made for a relationship, listen, will not live until he loves giving himself away. He will not live until he loves giving himself away. That's important. You see, the, the creation, nothing can be found for an helpmate. Now God builds a woman. And here is the likeness or the image, I should say, of God. This is before the fall now. Here's the, the image and the, the likeness of God shown in Adam. God's plans and purposes, God's will and desire in his own being was to have fellowship with man and bless him. And God desired it so much. And God loves you so much that he gave himself away. He gave himself away to redeem Adam's race. To redeem us. Now notice, God will not live, let me explain myself, until he loves giving himself away like Adam. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 and 5, listen to what it says about God. But God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. The idea here is that Kenneth Woos Greek word study says, the word here, for his great love wherewith he loved us. That is God loved us. The word for is the word dia. And it actually gives the idea on account of God's great love. When you didn't want to know him, when I didn't want to know him, when we had our backs toward him, when we just done the things we wanted to do, sinned with importunity, we were unashamed of it. He says, God still loved us and he wouldn't be satisfied because of the account of his great love. In other words, God's love was so great. God's love was so great for you. No matter what you've done, he still loved you. He still loves you tonight. The idea here is, in order to satisfy his own love, God's love was not complete, as it were, until he redeemed my soul. Until Ken Davidson, that renegade, and runabout, and all the other things that he got up to, until he redeemed me, God's love was incomplete, as it were, until he got you too. And he gave himself away. God gives Adam and helpmate, this woman, to help him. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 23, let's read it. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Can you see this happening? Adam, the Lord introduces them. He brings the woman along. Adam's out for the count. It's usually got ladies, isn't it? The men are laying down. Adam's out for the count. The Lord builds a woman, builds an helpmate. It's not wonderful to know that even when we're sleeping, God's still providing. And God's still working in your behalf. And here we have him brings the woman along to Adam. He says, Adam, 
Here is your helpmate. Here's the one that I have made and chosen for you. Do you see in one of the, one of the other translations where it says, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. One of the translations says, he says it with a jubilant praise. Adam looks at her. She must have been gorgeous. She must have been beautiful. Adam looks at her. It's like when I looked at my wife when I first seen her. And I was, oh, she's gorgeous. It says that Adam is saying, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. He goes, at last. That's what it reads. At last, he says. At last, Lord. That's bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Her and I will be compatible together. At last. At last. She shall be called woman. She was taken out of man. She shall be called woman. For she is taken out of man. See the word woman. If I asked you what it means. There's a lot of men say woman means the woe of man. I don't know. <laughs> the word woman, the Hebrew word here is the word isha. Isha. And the word woman here is the first time, and you also use it for the word wife in many occasions in the Bible. But the word woman here, she shall be called woman. The word isha is like, she shall be a man s. Man s. In other words, that, they were equal. They were equal. God made them as equals, but yet he set them in order. So the husband may have the head of the house in many ways, but really it's the wife that turns it. He set it in order. The idea here is that he takes the woman or takes the side from Adam and makes an ish shah, a man s, that you get a manager and a manager s who fulfill the same role, only one's male and one's female. The word woman is also means womb man. Womb man. In other words, she's like me, she's my equal, her and I are helpmate, and it means that she is a man with a womb. Now, since that is what it means, verse 24 of Genesis 2 says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, shall cleave unto his wife, shall cleave unto his isha, and they shall be one flesh. I see the word man. Right up to this point, before the, in the book of Genesis, only a couple of chapters in I know, when you read man, it's the word Adam. Adam. Gives the idea of the man who has dominion over all. But when it comes to this woman, when it comes to her being taken from his side, the name man changes to ish. And a lot of the Hebrew then go into the word ish for man. And it means she is part of me and I am part of her. And we are compatible together. We shall rule and reign one with another. That's what it means. This is the first time the word ish is used. And he says, the man says, I am ish, she is ish. Ah. 
And when they leave, when he leaves mother and father, it means time to cut the apron strings and grow up, brethren. That's what it means. And cleave to the wife. Now notice this. No animal substitute was found as he named the animals because that would be bestiality. Another man was not made for Adam because that would be homosexuality. A one man was made to be compatible one with another. And here we have the institution of marriage between one man and one woman. The woman is presented wholly as a partner and a counterpart. And even if you were to go to an electrical store, hardware store, you get male and female couplings together. They fit. Go to your electrical store and ask for two male couplings and try and do your work with it. It just doesn't work. It's a male and a female. I'm going to round this up and I'll do another part on a different sort of subject of it when I come home and in a couple of weeks time I'll round this up with this so the woman is presented wholly as his partner the woman is valued why do you hear this the woman is valued for herself alone they don't even mention children don't they even mention children in this yet the woman is valued for who she is You see, again, here is bearing the image of God. God values you for who you are. He just loves you. He doesn't want you to be the person beside you or behind you. He doesn't want you to be like the latest rock star or pop star or or some sort of idol of worship that you, you go to a sports arena or whether it's in a film or a movie. God wants you to be you. See, you are bearing the image of God, for you are a living, passionate being, but God wants you to come to Christ that he will make you after his likeness. By the separation and the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. We're told in Genesis 2, verse 25, That they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. In other words, there was an age of innocency. And in that age of innocency, you could run about like two wee babies naked and they thought nothing of it. They were not ashamed. And from that time then comes the fall. We'll look at it again. And from the fall, that likeness was lost. And that moral, responsible, so-called being has destroyed themselves through the depravity of their human nature. Yet they bear the likeness of God in the sense that they are a passionate, living, thinking, loving human being just like you are. You are that person inside you that only you and God knows and how you feel, but God knows how you feel. God knows what you think. God knows where you've been. God knows your hurts and all your problems. God knows it when you're lying in bed at night crying. God sees everything, knows you, and that's what he loves. He loves you. He's passionate about you. He showed it 
by displaying his love in Calvary's tree. So are you a soul tonight? Well, you are a soul, but are you a soul that is saved and being fashioned to be like Christ? Or are you a soul tonight that is lost that will go to the lake of fire? Oh, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. If you come to Christ, you'll never go there. You'll never be there. God bless his word to our hearts this evening. Thank you for your attention, for your faithfulness, for spending the time with us this evening around us.